Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, to Jericho Ridge. My name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho. And as we move into our uh, summer this morning, just before we jump in, I want to just say congratulations to Tyler and Carmen Harper. Uh, they just had their first on, was it Thursday night, Carmen? Friday? It's all a blur. The second. It was on the second. Awesome. So congratulations to you guys. So thanks to everybody. <clears throat> yeah. Alexander Edmund. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Well, I want to let you in on our plan for the summers here at Jericho. You've heard already uh, Mike talk about how summers are family inclusive here at Jericho. And also, our plan in the summers is to walk through the Old Testament. And so the Bible can sometimes feel like a, a big and confusing book. And especially in the Old Testament, we want to help you understand and find your place in it. And so as we're moving through the summers, we've been going through uh, each book. And kids often are really helpful for this and helping us remember and understand where we're at. And so uh, kids, you guys can keep us on track. And when we talk about family-inclusive format, that means everybody from those going into grade three and up are together with us for the summer months. And uh, we have lots of stuff going on. There's always participatory elements, object lessons, and videos, and skits. So speaking of skits, I want to give you fair warning. Uh, we're going to do a little skit this morning, and I need three volunteers. And uh, if you would like to participate, then I will give you the script now, and you can just have a look at it. And you just have to read it, all right? So there's no kind of previous acting experience required. All right, Sienna, you want a part? Okay. Now, do you want to be the reporter? Do you want to be King David, or do you want to be a soldier? Reporter. The reporter. Okay. All right, the reporter is there. Okay. All right, Kayla, you want one? Okay. Do you want to be David, or do you want to be the soldier? David, good choice. David has slightly less lines. Good job. Okay, so I need a soldier now. Who's going to be the soldier? All right, Jared, you going to be the soldier? All right. Okay, I don't think there's any crazy words to pronounce in the soldier's part. Okay, there you go. All right, so you guys, you can read over your script, and then I will call you up when it's time to do the skit, all right? And you can come to the microphones, which we will make shorter for you, and we will read that together. Now, also, uh, just a reminder for parents, there are what we call busy bags, and those are for kids. Those are not for you adults for the word search. You guys do the word searches much too quickly. So uh, those are for the kids, and you can go and get those anytime during the morning. They're over at our kids' check-in station, and they get refreshed every week, so there's something different in there every week of the summer. Uh, also, just a fair warning for you, at the end of our time together this morning, I'm going to extend an invitation to you if you're here today and you have never actually placed your trust in Jesus, you've never said yes to Jesus, uh, then we'll be doing that later on today in our morning. And so you can sit there in utter terror for the next 25 minutes and try and wonder what that means as we work that through uh, together. Because we're talking about timing this morning and why timing is important. And so a few summers ago, uh, we started teaching through the Old Testament, and we started at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. So we started in the book of Genesis, 
And we, the book of Genesis actually took us two series to go through. And then we did the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, we explored the amazing power and provision of God as he rescued his people from slavery and from oppression in ancient Egypt. Then we did a series called Crossing over, because in Exodus they get kind of right almost to the border of the promised land. And then we taught through the books in crossing over of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua all in one summer. Just to keep it confusing, we did the book of Judges four years ago before we started doing uh, this sequential movement through the Old Testament. And the book of Ruth is so great, we're going to save it for its own series. So last summer, we did a series called Games and Thrones where we explored the book of First Samuel. And so this morning, we pick up where we left off and jump in with a series called Divided Kingdom, a summer series in Second Samuel. Say that five times fast with me. Summer series in Second Samuel, 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 summer series in Second Samuel. All right, you guys have to practice that at home. So um, if we think about the book of 2 Samuel instead of 1 Samuel, you might think, well, what in the world? I kind of can't quite remember where we left off, what was going on. What is the book of 2 Samuel about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's a little video which will help remind you of the themes of what's in the book of 2 Samuel. So watch this and we'll catch up. What's the 10th book of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Let's hear a song about it. And now, the fabulous Bentley Brothers. I got a friend named David, but he's not a king. He's just an ordinary guy who does regular things. But I got to thinking there's a lot of people named Dave, and there must be some reason that things are this way. Well, it turns out a king made the name David famous, and now you know a lot of Davids, but I bet not a Seamus. King David was a man after God's own heart. Read about his reign in Samuel, the second part. Second Samuel, the book that tells of the reign of David, king of Israel. He had some highs and he had some lows. Read Second Samuel to learn about
like you and I do. David messed up. Let's just say he did some pretty bad stuff. But he was really, really sorry for missing the mark. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart. heart. Oh, you'll be singing that when you drift off to bed tonight, won't you? Second Samuel, <laughs> the book that tells. I was going to ask David if the team could dress up and maybe do that song for us live, but, you know, I figured it'd be just as easy on video there. So that's where we're at in the big God story as we go through the Old Testament. And you remember 1 Samuel was the story of the very first king of Israel, a man by the name of Saul. And about midway through the summer and about midway through the book of 1 Samuel, Saul stops listening to God and decides that he's going to be the king and do his thing the own the way that he wants to do it. And so God actually rejects Saul as king, and the prophet Samuel anoints David as the next king. And David grew to prominence uh, from being a young shepherd boy as a man who listened to God and then obeyed, and he did what was on God's heart. And so that helped him do some pretty amazing things over the course of the book of 1 Samuel, like slaying the giant Goliath and leading the armies of Israel into battle. But Saul got incredibly jealous of David, and he tried to kill him, even though Saul was his son-in-law. And so not uh, just a few times, Saul kept coming after David. And so in the end of the book of 1 Samuel is the story of that struggle between Saul, who's still the king, and David, who's waiting to be the king. And so Saul continuously is hunting David down like a criminal. But David has two separate opportunities to actually kill Saul and take matters into his own hands. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, David and his men are hiding in a cave, and Saul comes into the cave, and one of David's men says, this is your chance. Why don't you just take him out here in the cave? He doesn't have his bodyguard, anything with him, and this is like God bringing your enemy right to you. And David says, no, I'm not going to do this. He says, I am not going to harm the king because he's God's chosen king. He's the Lord's anointed one. God will judge between us, David says in 1 Samuel 24. And then again, just two chapters later in 1 Samuel chapter 26, David has another opportunity. This time, David has snuck right into Saul's camp in the middle of where his, his army is, and Saul is sleeping. And David's companion that, sleep, that uh, snuck in with him says, Psst, David, this is your chance. Like Saul's right there. Everybody's asleep. I'm just going to take my spear. I can run him right through. I won't even need to do it twice. Like we can just get rid of this guy. It'll be quiet. We can still get away. This will be awesome. But David acts with honor and with integrity and says in 1 Samuel 26, no, do not kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he'll die of old age or in battle, but the Lord forbid that I should kill the one that he has anointed. 
See, David had an incredible respect for the way in which God was working things out in his life. David trusted God. And more specifically, David trusted God's timing, which is an incredibly hard thing to do. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a very hard time trusting God's timing because we want to kind of make things happen in our own initiative and on our own sense of timeline. But David respects God and respects his timing, and he actually leaves it in God's hands to deal with Saul in the way and in the timeline that God would choose to do it. And today we're going to discover at the beginning of 2 Samuel 1 how that actually turns out for David. And so the main point in our time today in 2 Samuel chapter 1 is that we can trust God's timing. We can trust God's timing. But see, timing is an interesting thing. So before we get to talking about 2 Samuel 1, let's talk about uh, some ideas and examples that you can think of, of timing. Shout out some situations or areas of life where you think that timing is important. Shout them out. I'll write them down. You can see how poor my handwriting is. Getting to work on time. All right. So work on time or in your work or employment. Yeah. What else? Cooking. cooking. Yeah. And in cooking, timing's important. Absolutely. Leave something too long. It's burnt. Take it off too early. What else? House hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. If you leave it too long, somebody else has already got in there. There's a bidding war happening. Yeah. Any major purchase, actually. Yeah. What else? Apologizing. Apologizing. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. Stocks. Okay. Any advice, Larry? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Okay, fair enough. Where else? Where else are good examples of things where timing is important? Sports. Absolutely. What else? Comedy. Yeah. What else? In music? Did you say giving birth? Labor? All right, fair enough. We're going to put it up. All right. Mm. Music. Okay, what else? In which? In games. Absolutely, yeah. So lots of areas of our life, timing is actually important. And we understand that timing is important. In, uh, for example, in, you know, like in video games, you have to jump at the right time or press the buttons at the right time in order to make things happen. In transactions, major transactions, whether you're buying a house or stock or anything like that, that sense of timing becomes very important. Uh, in sports, in baseball, golf, whatever sport you would want to choose, there's that sense that you understand that in order to succeed at that, that you have to understand the timing that's important for that. Timing is actually important in our spiritual lives too. And timing in particular, understanding and trusting and sensing of what God's timing is for us. Another example I can think of where timing is important is with uh, the news because if we were to broadcast news days and days after it happens, it doesn't really make any sense, does it? There's not really a sense of timeliness to it. So speaking of news, uh, can I get our three volunteers up here? And we are going 
to uh, do act out the read out the uh, scripture this morning from Second Samuel chapter one. All right, so Jared, which part were you going to play again? You were going to play the soldier. Okay, so I am going to give you this. This is a crown. You can just hold it. You don't need to hang on to it. And this is, uh, this is a very expensive piece of jewelry. It's an armband, okay? So you're going to have that. All right, now who is going to play David? All right, Kaylee, you're going to play David. We'll give you a shield because you're not quite the king yet, okay? But in 2 Samuel 1, it says you've just come back from defending your family against a band of marauding rob, uh, robbers. So you're still actively uh, in battle. We're going to keep this for a little bit later on. And... Uh, no, no, uh, how does this thing open? There we go, there we are. All right, fair enough. Okay, so I will need this for a little bit later on. And then, because it seems like big people that do the news always wear a suit jacket, then we will give you this. Yeah, I know, there you go. Okay, so we'll get you to come over here. Let's get everybody a microphone. So Jared will give you this one. All right, and you can rest your script there. Perfect. All right, okay, and then we will put you here, Kayla. All right, step right up there so you're right close to the microphone. Nice and close, perfect. All right, Tiana, come on over here. All right, and we are ready. We're going to do a dramatic reading of 2 Samuel chapter 1, all right? So first, like any good newscast, we're going to give you like a dramatic intro, okay? All right, so Pete, let's go. And then when the music dries down from the dramatic intro. Ziklag, that's tricky to pronounce. Ziklag. Yeah, good one. Home of David. I am with David now and I understand he is expecting news from front lines of the battle between Israel and Philistines. Let's listen to the live report. Where have you come from? I have come from the camp of Israel. I have escaped after the battle. What happened? Tell me. The Israelites ran from the battle and many of them were killed. King Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. How do you know they're dead? Because I happened on the Mount of... Gilboa. Thank you. Gilboa, during the attack, I saw Saul leaning against his spear as the chariots and cavalry approached. He looked around and saw me. He called to him, and I told him, I am here, my Lord. He asked me who I was. I told him I was Amalekite. Then he said, come here, stand over me and kill me because I was suffering, but I am still alive. So I did as he asked because I knew he would not live after he had fallen. So I took the crown from his head and the gold armband, and then brought them here to you, whom I recognized as my next king. I am a bit surprised. David is tearing his clothes we in sad. grief. We're going to be sad. Okay. So sad. <laughs> and all the men with him are doing the same, and I would think that since Saul is, was his enemy, he would be happy, but just He's crying and weeping and fasting in honor of Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan. 
and the army of Israel because they were cut down by the sword of the enemy. Where is your home? I am the son of a foreigner living in Israel, an Amalekite. It appears that David has just called for one of his soldiers to come forward and kill the Amalekite soldier, which he did. This story has taken quite a turn. You have only yourself to blame, your own words and all right, good job. Let's thank all of those who helped. Thanks, Sienna. Right on. Thanks, Kayla. All right, now you can go back. Now you won't be as warm. Thank you so much for all of your help and assistance. Thank you, Jared. You can just leave those there. Awesome. Okay, you can keep that if you want. Thanks, Kayla. That's great. So that was Second uh, Samuel chapter 1. And that's from a, a transliteration called The Voice, uh, with the addition of the reporter's part in there. But it's an intriguing story, isn't it? And we find out one of the things about that story that the Amalekite soldier came to David and told him was that it actually was not true. That the Amalekite was not the one that actually killed Saul. Some of it was true because he had come upon Saul before the Philistines had come and actually been able to take Saul's crown and take Saul's armband. So somehow he was there and was able to figure out what happened, but he was not actually the one who did what he said he had done. He came upon Saul's body and he got away from the battlefield. And as he let out a sigh of relief, I can see him thinking to himself, how can I make the best of this opportunity in these circumstances that I was in? How can I make this series of events work for me? I know what I'll do. I'll find Saul's biggest enemy, David, and I will go and tell him that Saul is dead. And David will be so excited that Saul is done and that he now can be the king that David will probably reward me. At very least, he'll throw a big party, and I'll be kind of a hero for being the one that delivers this great and exciting news, because now David can be free from being chased by Saul and the terror that that would have been in his life. But what the Amalekite soldier doesn't realize is that his lie is going to sentence him to die. Maybe he forgot that Jonathan is David's best friend and who also died on the field of battle that day. Maybe he forgot about or didn't know about God's advice in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 and 18, that says explicitly, do not rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble, for the Lord will be displeased with you. This is an incredibly hard thing in our lives, isn't it? Because have you ever paid attention to what happens inside of your heart when someone that you dislike, when something horrible happens? 
to them. That neighbor that you can't stand, something bad happens to them. Or that kid at school that you just can't seem to get along with has a problem. Sometimes something inside of you does a little happy dance and you think to yourself, aha, they've got something coming to them. You're just getting what you deserve because something bad has happened to somebody that you dislike. And I think the Amalekite soldier thought that David would get excited about this news and would do exactly that. But David does exactly the opposite. When his enemy, the one who has tried to kill him again and again and again, the one who's made his life the most miserable, who sent him running from his home and his family, forced him to live in the desert and as an outlaw, when his enemy dies, which opens the way for him to become the next king, he rips his clothes in grief, he cries, he fasts, he takes no food all day, and then he writes a song about Saul and about how great a king he was, which is the second part of 2 Samuel chapter 1. It's called the Song of the Bow, and he makes everybody else learn it and sing it. David acts with honor and integrity in a time when we would expect him to do the opposite, when we'd expect him to be overjoyed that his enemy was dead. Why? Because David trusts God's timing. David trusts God's timing in his life. God has told David that one day he will be the king. And David doesn't need to rush out then and take matters into his own hands to force it to happen. Even though he has multiple opportunities to do so, even in the moment of Saul's death, that opens up this possibility in a different way for him. He rests in the fact that God is in charge and God will open up the way for David to become king when the timing is right. This is a difficult lesson for us because it's tough to trust in God's timing. I have a hard time with this. Personality-wise, I'm wired up as a person who likes to make things happen, who likes to jump in and kind of, if I see something that needs to be done, to move quickly towards it, move with expedience, and try and just make it happen. And sometimes when things take longer to happen than I think they should happen, that gets me frustrated. Right now we have a situation in our family uh, with Meg's grandfather, who's in the hospital. And we're waiting for a place to open up for him uh, so that he can go into a facility that can be better tuned for care for him. And they called this last week and said, yeah, it's probably going to be three months. I have three months of waiting. Oh, no. How's that possible? And so just keep praying every night, God, would you open up a place for him? But resting and trusting in God's timing in things is very difficult in our lives. When conflict comes up. We want to jump in and fix it quickly by helping the other person see that we're right and they're wrong and therefore we can just move through this conflict together. 
We can bring reconciliation on our own timeline. When God makes a promise to us, we think to ourselves, awesome, yes, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. We're just going to march into that and walk into that. That'll be great. And sometimes we forget that it can take years for those things to come to fruition. Sometimes God invites us to work. Sometimes God invites us to wait. But it's difficult to wait and rest and trust in God's timing. We want to jump in there. We want to make things happen. And when it doesn't, that can create a sense of fear and anxiety in our hearts. Because in other areas of our lives, we're used to timing working well for us and understanding timing and making sure that timing is something that we can control. When it comes to resting and trusting in God's timing, that's out of our hands. Trusting in God's timing, though, is an important part of learning and growing in faith. Because if we don't trust God's timing, it actually indicates something deeper about our own hearts, and that is that we don't actually trust God. We don't trust that God is who he says he is, that he's good, that he's faithful, that as we've sung already today, yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't change. If we don't trust in God's timing, it actually indicates that we don't trust God in God's goodness. We don't trust in his faithfulness. We don't trust in other elements of his character. And it's a difficult thing for us to wrestle with. The band's going to come, and we're going to respond as we often do in sung worship. And just as they come, just so that we remember and help us in our own understanding and application of what it means to rest and trust in God's timing. I want to illustrate our main point for you musically, because somebody mentioned that music was an important part of timing. And so we're going to actually try something with the band here. And uh, if you guys will humor me, uh, just kind of follow the instructions that I'll give you, right? So timing is important. So the band is going to play a song, and the song is about trusting God, and it's about trusting God's timing. But Ben, if you can humor me, can you all play it in just a totally different time signature? Just do whatever you want. Start whenever you want. Uh, go as fast or as slow as you want. Uh, whatever timing you just feel would be great for this song, okay? So just kind of go at that, and we'll just see how the song kind of works itself out, all right? So just uh, do whatever you want, timing-wise, right? I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I can't take it anymore. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to play that song again, but I'm going to do so and ask you to do what you did in the first set, and that is respect David's sense of timing. Uh, and as they play that song again, I'm going to ask that the prayer team would come, so Deb Jarvis and myself and Aaron Franson are going to be available uh, as we respond in worship. And many of you today are here and you're facing something in your life that is, you're really wrestling with this sense of God's timing. 
and you have doubts and you have fears and you have anxiety that this is not going to work out in any way. And, and because maybe it's been going on for a long period of time, maybe it's a health issue that you just think, I don't even know what God's timing is in this. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe this is, this is something that you just say, I really wrestle with this in trusting God's timing in this area of my life. I want you to come for prayer today. We would love to stand with you and pray about that because prayer is that place where the mess of our doubts and our fears is welcomed into the place of mysterious and glorious grace. And today, I think that God wants to remind some of you who've been going through this for a long season uh, of trust in his timing. And so we'd invite you to come uh, for prayer and invite you, God wants to say to you today that he knows He knows this season. He knows what it's like and the situations that you carry in your heart. And so we'd invite you to come. Uh, Deb and Aaron and myself will have our prayer team badges on, and we'd love to come and pray with you and pray about those situations in your own life uh, that might need to, and someone to know that God cares about that and want to carry that burden with you as it reminds us uh, in Galatians. Maybe you're here today, and this whole notion of trusting God is a brand new idea for you. You've heard people talk about it. You've thought about it a little bit before, but you've never actually taken that step where you say, actually, I do trust you, God. I trust you with the whole of me. I trust you with my life. Maybe today is your day to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you today, I want you to come and we'll pray with you and explore that together, what it means to actually say yes to Jesus and trust him for your future, not just for your present, but for all of eternity. It's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. And many have made that decision here in Jericho and can bear witness to the fruit that trusting God has borne in their own lives of faithfulness and patience and goodness and love and kindness. And so as we respond in worship, I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you're able. And David and the team are going to lead us in two songs of worship response. And we're going to come for prayer, pray together. Maybe there's someone around you that you want to join in prayer with for something that's been going on in their life as we worship a God who is worthy of placing our trust in this morning. So let's stand and let's respond in song worship together.